Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and super excited about today's episode. We're going to have another great one. Today's guest is a highly motivated communications practitioner with experience in global media relations, executive communications, crisis communications, employee communications, culture change, investor relations, and marketing communications. It's not a surprise then that she is the Senior Director of Corporate Communications and Change Management at Coca-Cola Bottlers and Sales. Please welcome the frontline innovators, Trisha Taylor. Hello, Trisha. Hey, hello. Good afternoon. Thank you so much, Justin, for that warm welcome and introduction. You could have just said communications (laughs) instead of all of that which preceded it, but I'm so excited to be here today and on this podcast. I love your platform. I love the content you and Jean put out. So thank you so much for having me today. I'd like to get your take on what I think is the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today. You know, I've thought about this. I would say outside of, of course, the global pandemic uh, that the deskless workforce has to deal with from a standpoint of health, wellness, safety, I would also say staying connected. Um, As a professional communicator, I cannot underemphasize the importance of our frontline workers, our deskless workers staying connected. And that means what information they want to receive, how they want to receive it, and in what format they would like to receive that communication. So meeting people where they are, Um, leading with empathy and making sure that the frontline worker, the deskless worker feels that, knows that empathy is part of how they are managed, that they are part of the organization. And I would also say just making sure that they have the opportunities that they want, whether it be from career advancement, um, whether it be from input and feedback and um, having that trusted Uh, leadership experience or trust in their leadership. So I would say the biggest challenge, of course, again, outside of that, of uh, the pandemic that has been brought on as a result of the pandemic is uh, making sure they stay connected in the way they want to stay connected to their organizations. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's interesting that the way you phrased it to to kind of speak about the, the pandemic, and they are definitely obviously different issues, Mm -hmm. but we can't, we can't totally separate them because we have to deal with both at the same time. Right. Right. It's, it's definitely an and it's not an, or it's an, and for sure. There's something else It's a very subtle thing that you just said that really caught my attention. And you said what they want to receive in terms of the communication. And it's, I'm having a hard time getting to my next question here, just as I process that a little bit, because it sounds so obvious when I heard you say that. However, most of the time, what we're thinking about is the communication that everybody else wants to tell them, not what Mm -hmm. they want to hear. Can you dig into that a little bit? Yeah, I think you raise a really good point. Um, Number one, I think about it from my own personal experience. I started off as a frontline worker. Um, I I, I stumble over the word deskless. I'm like, am I saying dressless? (laughs) What exactly (laughs) am I saying? But I started off as a frontline worker in retail, left retail, went to manufacturing in General Motors on the plant floor. Um, My dad worked for GM for some 30 years, got me on as a summer worker. And so I think about my job and my work as a professional communicator from that vantage point, not just what my leadership wanted me to hear, know, see, understand, do, and believe, but also what I needed as an employee, as a frontline worker. And so uh, some 20 years now, I come into this thinking about communications as being multi-directional. It's not top down, bottom up, or side to side, it's all directions. And so to understand that 
while yes, there is a mission, a vision, objectives that we as an organization are driving for, but as an employee, as an associate, as we would say here in CCBSS, Coca-Cola Bottler Sales and Services, AKA CCBSS, our short name, um, but as an associate, what information, what content do I need to stay connected to the company for which I work? Yeah, I, I think that is the purest explanation, definition of empathy is really completely flipping the conversation around and saying, mm -hmm. you know, not what do we want them to know and understand, but to really flip it around and say, if, if we're in their shoes or better yet, let's just go ask them what they need to know from us so that exactly. we can enable them to be successful. That's a, a really powerful, you know, it's subtle, but it's a really powerful difference in um, really making sure that we're communicating to them in a way that, you know, makes, makes the most sense for them. Exactly. You know, because to your point, it is, all of us together and the information we all need, the information we want to be successful. I could write communications and post it on a site or send it out or give a leadership, a, a, talk, a talk track to a executive leader or a manager or a supervisor. But if it's something that the associates aren't ready to hear or receive or they want or need, the message will not resonate. And so if we want our messages to resonate, we have to understand our audiences uh, to put a finer point on that and comes, uh, that's 101, know your audience, understand your audience, but it is very easy to forget that and all that we're doing. And, and you know, again, no ill feeling behind it, but it is very easy to forget that. And so I think it's critically important. And to your point earlier around today's society, you think about it as a frontline worker, I may be in a store, I may be on a bottling floor, I may be on a manufacturing floor, I may be driving a bus or in a hospital, and I'm getting signals and information from all kinds of direction. And my organization has a responsibility to cut through that noise and get me what I need when I need it. And so it is about staying connected and keeping that trusted partnership between the employee and the company at all times and keeping the communication avenues open. Yeah, that's very, very well said. Uh, I want to, I have a few more questions that I want to dig into that a little bit more, um, particularly with your comment about kind of the, the multi-directional communication. So, but let, let's table that for a minute. Um, I'd like to, to give our audience, you've touched on a few things already about your background and it's, it's, not at all surprising to me that you have a background that that goes all the way back to some experiences as a frontline worker yourself. So yep. share with us a little bit about how you went from, you know, working on the plant floor where your dad helped you get a, a gig at, at GM all the way to, you know, heading up communications in an organization with a lot of people that um, probably had very similar functions as, as what you had back then. So it, it's, it's a great question. And I really don't even think about it often um, because the years kind of go by and you keep building and progressing. But really for me, I knew where I wanted to go with my career and I have a heart for people, love writing. So started off, as, as you said, you know, working in uh, frontline capacities, but continuing to learn and grow. Got my first degree in journalism. And then from there started working in local government. So state government, local municipalities, work for the state of Georgia, work for the university system of Georgia, all that state government, and then started doing some independent consulting work. Uh, with a degree in communications, a degree in journalism, with a function, with a focus, excuse me, with a focus on PR and um, that kind of space. And so took that to start doing, like I said, some uh, consulting work, working for a PR firm and all of that combined. So I think about my work uh, on the production floor in GM that really teaches you how to move with a certain speed because when the cars are coming down the line and you got to put a piece on that car, there's a speed and a rhythm. Um, so just learning that and 
the rigor that it takes and the discipline to show up at a certain time and to be a part of a larger team that's putting one piece together. And then doing retail, that helps you build your customer service shops. So taking that work and, and then parlaying it into uh, desk work, to your point, and, and with that degree. So once I left the consulting, I went into, got into corporate America, um, started there in um, steel communications. So corporate communications, both internal and external communications, got a master's degree and continued to build my career. Started with the Coca-Cola company in 2014. And in 2018, transitioned over to CCBSS, Coca-Cola Bottler Sales and Services, which is where I am now, responsible for corporate communications and change management. And really, I, just in having this conversation with you, I can look back over all these years, um, more than 20 years of a career and see how each piece kind of built upon itself. And when I think about all the great work we do within CCBSS to support the Coca-Cola bottlers in North America to make sure that great product gets on the shelf so that we can all enjoy and support the bottlers in the execution of that. Um, it is a culmination of all that work and understanding how all of the pieces that I can bring um, to the table supports what we're doing as a company. Yeah, that's fantastic. Are there any particular experiences that that you had that come up in your thinking, you know, as you're in your role today? Is there ever a time when you think back to when I had that job in years past, here's something that made me frustrated or here's something that I had a very satisfactory experience when leadership communicated with us or anything that kind of drives what you're doing today? Oh, absolutely. That's such a great question. So I would say thinking about even going back to when I was a summer employee for General Motors and how the supervisors would communicate with us and my curiosity would peak around, well, what else? So uh, tell me more or tell me the why. So if we have to change something or do something different or do more of this or less of that, help me understand the why. And so as I write and work today, I constantly seek to communicate the why that started there. I think about something um, in my career once I was into corporate America and leading change for a company responsible for communicating a huge initiative that was related to payroll. And so this is a big company, about 60,000 employees. We made a tremendous change to how the payroll system worked and how employees put in their time. And we just gave it to them, just told them, Here's, here it is, now go do it. And uh, <laughs> it, it was this close to being a revolution. Uh, they just, it didn't go well at all. And I got a good lesson from that one on how to handle change and how to communicate change. I, I think back and say, you know, girl, you should have known that when you change the way people get paid and the way they input their time, you're going to hit a sweet spot. But just didn't think about it, uh, going fast and moving uh, with the flow, but have certainly learned to always check in, to have constant feedback circles and touch points. Um, right now, you know, we're in this very high tech world, but I still believe that there are opportunities for low tech, no tech that can also support the high tech things that we're doing to drive change and to innovate in all the different spaces that we do. So. For sure, there are countless examples of things that I've learned and picked up, as I said um, at the start of the conversation, even on the customer service side. So holding several retail jobs in my career and just interacting with people. And so for us within CCBSS, we're supporting the bottlers. So it would be considered more of a B2B model, but mm -hmm. our bottlers are ultimately supporting the consumer. So we look at our work as we have consumers and customers. So a consumer would be you and I, a customer would be a big box store or right. a ballpark or, you know, you name it, an airline um, that's a customer uh, of the Coca-Cola system. And so thinking about that experience and what we do and the services we provide, 
also plays into it. And then when I think about internally, so our associates with NCCBSS, at the end of the day, I'm a service provider in my role and my team, we provide a service. And so whether it be something for my IT leader or one of our business service leaders or one of our operational leaders, uh, they are my customers. And so I have to handle them in a certain way. So all of it uh, has come to bear and the lessons have absolutely been a part of and brought me to your point to where I am today. Yeah. That, that's a really good perspective. You, you just mentioned something else about, you were talking about the change in payroll. Mm-hmm. And the change in payroll is an obvious one that affects the way that people get paid. Yes. But you reminded me of something else that, you know, if you think of actually an organization like your bottling customers, right? They're a direct store delivery organization. They're bottling products. They're delivering product to stores. The men and women that are involved in distributing, delivering that product to your customers, your B2B customers, have compensation directly tied to those activities, right? The number of deliveries, the amount of product that they move, the amount of returns they get, the customer satisfaction scores. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of different metrics that drive their compensation. So even though the technology that they use to do those deliveries may not necessarily be a payroll application per se, it still has an impact on their pay. And and you're making me realize that that's one of the things that has affected the uh, adoption of technology with men and women in field service applications and direct store delivery applications and things like that. Because even though we're not looking at it as a change to their pay, Mm -hmm. it has a downstream effect that could, at least in their mind, threaten their pay. Right. You know, it's interesting. So CCBSS is Bottler owned. And so some 70, nearly 70, not exactly, but nearly 70 um, bottlers here in North America own CCBSS. And so it's a very interesting relationship because they are both uh, our customers, if you will, as we say, and our owners at the same time. And so um, we're governed by a board that's made up of the bottlers. And so you're right, the bottlers absolutely have just a number of metrics that drive how they operate and run their businesses. And their employees um, also support that in getting those products on the shelf. We at CCBSS have a role to play because in essence, we are an enabler of a lot of the work that they do. So you think about from the procurement services that we provide. And so this great product that I'm sitting here enjoying, um, that can, the ingredients in it, or if I was drinking a Dasani, the cap, or even the technology, we can provide procurement services for that or HR services or finance services or uh, data analytics and reporting services or equipment services, inside sales, targeted sales. So all of that plays into the success to your point of the individual employees within our bottlers as well as our success within CCBSS. And so um, it's very important that we understand how any change that we make can impact that downstream that's very big within this broader Coca-Cola system that we're all a part of. And I think it's a privilege to be in this system. Um, and it's, it's so many of us working to bring value ultimately to our consumers that enjoy our products. So you're absolutely right, it, it does. So while what I experienced early on in my career was a hard change to the payroll system. uh, And I got a good lesson on uh, communicating in advance, being very deliberate in the communications, stopping to ask questions and reacting to those questions, making sure that as we said early on, it just wasn't a very high level leader that was bringing that message, but leaders throughout the business. Today, we would say influencers in in our social world, but finding those stars and organizations that can help sell that change and help the other side understand, is this the right thing to do now? Are we doing it in the right way? So absolutely, completely agree with you. There is yeah. a, a lot of intersectionality, if you will, in, in all of this work. Well, and it, it goes back to what you said in the beginning. It's, it's not just what we want to tell those of us who might be involved in, in building out this transformational initiative and, and are pushing this out to others that will be affected by it. 
Um, but it, it is definitely worth taking some time to go and at least sample as many people as we can to say, yeah. this is coming down the pipe. What questions do you have that maybe we're not thinking about? Exactly. Because it, it wouldn't necessarily be obvious to me, the IT team, maybe other folks in operations that, hey, we're rolling out this new technology. It's going to make everything easier for the drivers. Uh, it's going to shorten the amount of time, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be thinking of all the things. We're going to probably have a pretty positive uh, bias toward the things that we're thinking about because we've been involved in, in this decision to implement this technology. And then we could go out to the field and ask a handful of drivers and say, well, you know, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? And the first thing might be, how's this going to affect my pay? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that could hold. And, and it's a very legitimate thing that could be on their mind. It may right. not have been obvious to the rest of us that, oh, yeah, this. OK, the number of transactions that they do does influence their pay. And while we're thinking about how it's going to make it easier and there's going to be some new piece of technology that's going to make their life better, what really may be on their mind is, geez, I really want to know how this is going to impact it. And, and maybe the good news is maybe the answer to that question is actually something positive. Maybe there's an opportunity for them to make more money or have a greater likelihood of achieving their metrics. But wow. if we don't communicate that, that question will be sitting in the back of their minds. And, and this is where I get frustrated that, you know, multi-million dollar tech transformation initiatives can fail because we fail to ask a couple of um, questions that maybe should have been obvious, but weren't. I think that's exactly right. So, One thing I like to do is a kind of a from to, um, and again, picking this up over the years. So to your example of these big technology implementations, I've done a lot of them. Um, when I was with the Coca-Cola company, I was responsible for the communications and change management of a major migration to the cloud. At that point in time, it was the largest migration from a standard network to a cloud network for a, um, a, a consumer goods company. Um, at the time, and, and it was a lot of data. And so learning to do a from to, so this is where we are now, we're going to go from this to that, because those types of changes, what I'm always interested in is making sure I understand, well, how does this impact, this change impact the person who will receive it? How will this impact their job? Does the link change? Do they have to go to a new site now? Do they have to go from seven screens to 10 screens, which is not good? Are we taking them down uh, the way they navigate through this, will it change? Will they have time to go get coffee while they wait for something to load when they used to get load instantly? So just again, what is the from to? And to your point, making sure that in an ideal world, that from to is going to be a positive experience, a, a positive change. And if it isn't, being able to communicate that in a forthright way, because that's where your trust comes in. Yeah, yeah. So we, we talk a lot about digital transformation. I talk about it. I used to hate the expression. Now I find myself talking about it all the time because at, at the end of the day, every company is going through some level of, of transformation and every company is now a digital company uh, or they won't be around much longer. Right. Um, we know that all transformations involve some level of change. Uh, on this show, we, we are talking about particularly the impact of, of those changes to the men and women on the front line. So you, you've already given us an example of maybe what not to do, um, of an example where you know the communication perhaps wasn't as complete as it could have been and, and you had a, a backfire in your hands. Um, but you, you also mentioned kind of the, the multi-directional communication. And I'd like to hear from you, you know, perhaps a best practice. I'd, so I guess the question is, you know, what works when we're doing a, an important transformational initiative with the men and women on the front lines. And can you tie that big in with what you talked about before with the multi-directional communication? I'd really love to understand what you mean by that and maybe hear some like actual practical examples of, of how you've implemented that in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot over, and I think I said this, uh, put a finer point on staying connected with everyone in their role and meeting them where they are. So it, it really is things as simple as focus groups, as, as, as easy as that sounds, but having those ongoing conversations, you could call it a focus group, you could call it a skip level, but I say start there. So let's say there's this initiative 
to your example that we know we want to roll out. Well, something I'm absolutely committed is let's start by asking those who will be impacted uh, by it. Well, how's your work experience now? And this can be done really quickly, not a lot of questions, but there has to be somebody who can connect with the frontline worker to better understand what are you doing today? Here's what we're thinking about how do you think this will impact your experience? And you can take that learning from those conversations and then use that to support your communications to uh, associates, to support your training to associates, to support the leaders. And that's another thing, equipping leaders. So I could write for our president and CEO all day long, which is one of my responsibilities to support her executive level communications, but what can we do to equip our immediate managers? So let's say I was a direct report of yours, Justin, what am I doing as a communications person, giving you the talk track, the key messages so that you can have conversations with your team. So I think about things I've done in previous roles um, where I was responsible for supporting communications in large manufacturing environments and just simply giving those people leaders when they have their huddles, just a few words to say about a particular change. Here are one or two or three sentences to talk about this change. And then here are two questions to ask your employees so that communication is multi-directional. So we're giving you a couple of key messages to help starting to see this change, but we're also asking you to get some messages and some information for us so that we can have, as we said, this multi-directional communication. So doing that, using technology, things from digital signage and, and plasma message boards are always good when you have an environment uh, that we're dealing with deskless workers. Um, things, I've coupled uh, signs on the HR board. Let me throw something up there because that board has to stay. Let me throw something up there. I've even done things as far as, hey, the bathroom stalls are not off limits. <laughs> uh, you know, we all got to go. So <laughs> let's, let's put a poster, let's put a sign up um, not to inundate people, but if it's a change that's so significant, so think about uh, major benefit changes where you absolutely want to make sure that frontline workers don't miss out because this impacts how they care for themselves and their family. Sometimes you have to be creative, signs in elevators, signs in garages. So those things that are more so low tech or no tech. And then also something that I've been really big on um, now relying on technology is the use of apps. Um, so pushing out things and not over indexing, um, overdoing it with notification texts because we're all getting a lot that's coming at us every single day, but it is a an avenue to use to push out notifications and text messages. And um, one of the things I'm most proud of here at CCBSS is our intranet. So as we said, we have sales teams, inside sales, outside sales. We have um, associates who are on the phones all day in calls, um, working just, tremendous amounts of time and energy and passion and talent. And they may not have the opportunity to join a town hall at 10 a.m. because they're on a call, they're making sales calls or they're helping a uh, break fix with equipment. So Justin, you have a restaurant and your uh, freestyle machine isn't working. You have to have somebody to help you fix that. So you're on the call on the phone. And so we have an associate who's helping you with that equipment repair and, and trying to troubleshoot that. So that associate may not be able to be at 10 a.m. on a town hall, but we're going to record that. We're going to make sure that it's not a two-hour long meeting because I do believe in micro content and moments of micro content and put that out there. We'll ask them for questions in advance of the meeting. So, yep, I'm gonna be on a call or I'm on the call around the clock because of my job, I could be an HR services agent. And so I'm taking call to your example earlier. So we have our Botler partners that we support with HR services. So if you are out there in the field and you have a question about your paycheck, 
you're calling somebody in HR services and one of our reps is taking that call. And so that rep may not be able to attend a town hall or ask their question during the town hall of the CEO, but they need to be a part of that conversation. And we want them a part of that conversation. So we use our intranet or we get questions in advance. So those are some of the things that I rely on heavily to stay connected with the various employee populations that I'm responsible for communicating to. All right. You're going to need to take a break because I believe at least some members of our audience now have to go rewind five minutes and slow down to 0.5 or 0.75 speed and get a pen out and start marking down the checklist that you just created for how to communicate. So there's something I want to go back to. And this is amazing. This is really very actionable information that I know I'm enjoying hearing and I'm sure our audience is too. You said something earlier that was really powerful. I've heard a lot of people on this show talk about the challenge of getting frontline leadership engaged in the change. Right. But you actually gave a really important, very practical example of how to solve for that, at least partially. And so I want to go back to something that you said. What can we do with the immediate managers? You talked about giving them talking points. And my favorite thing that you said is give them maybe two questions to ask. That's really powerful. Can we dig into that for for an extra minute? Because I really think that if you think about some of the men and women on the front lines that are in leadership positions, they may not have many years of experience. They're in a development phase in many cases, at least what I have seen, right? So they need to be led to become better leaders. And what you talked about just now, I think was an example of that. So talk, talk us through that a little bit more. I think that's a, I appreciate you wanting to put a finer point on that because you're right. It is a skill that has to be developed. And so from a change perspective, the focus is on not only building awareness, but gunnering, just just helping to gunner a level of excitement and hopefully a desire for the change that's going to come and activating a level of curiosity and new thinkings, particularly when you're talking about technology and innovation. And so, because it's, it's ultimately, we're going back to driving behavior changes. And so I strongly believe the best people to do that are the immediate managers. And how do we support those immediate managers? And, and to me, it's about enablement for them. And so if we can prop them up and give them the right level of resources so that they are a part of the change and, and, and they can work with their associates to, to understand this change, my experience have, has taught me that when you do that, most of the time, the outcome is better. A change is happening fast. I, I've, I've met with some senior change agents who will even say, well, we want to come away from the word change. And I'm not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just then I'll be there next year and it'll probably be out of vogue then. But I still think we should be very clear about the word change because there's a culture uh, of change that we're all a part of. And as you said early on with the digital workplace and um, how we've digitized um, our workplaces and we talk about that, I also believe there's a culture of change that organizations have to stay leaned into. And I absolutely believe it's important that, you know, we teach flexibility and not anchor in and because technology and generations are going to require that we do so. And as we support our leaders, the individual supervisors, the managers, and I'm not even talking senior manager, director level, as you said, these are frontline leaders, these are supervisors to, because they're uh, with their associates day to day, and they are also the most trusted voice with their associates in many instances, um, to give them what they need to support the change. I think it's a, a very important step and it's a part of it. I hope I answered your question you, you around did. that. You did. And, and here's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the alternative, right? The alternative is that we don't give those frontline leaders any more information than we've given to the men and women on the front lines themselves. Exactly. And then what that creates 
is this void. And what I have witnessed firsthand is that that void, unfortunately, can be filled with cynicism and negativity and anxiety, the same emotions that are felt by the frontline workers themselves. And so if we have the men and women on the front lines, they're anxious and concerned and they don't know what's going on and their direct supervisor or manager has a void, they don't have any additional information, then it becomes us against them in terms of this change. So rather than the frontline managers being a positive force for that change, they actually end up kind of being on the same side. And I mean, we've, we've witnessed it. There's like a bad talk track that happens between the managers, supervisors, and their teams. And that actually just kind of amplifies all the bad things rather than become an opportunity for improvement there. Exactly. We don't want to create detractors. Um, and we certainly want to wrap our arms around our people leaders. I strongly believe in that and giving them the information they need so that they can support the change initiatives. And they, that leadership change behavior, that area of uh, change management is one sometimes can, to your point, be overlooked. Because I think about myself as a, a, a senior executive leader and all the responsibilities, because ultimately we want to make sure the entire organization is informed, but there is a way to walk into it. Right. And it's, you know, it, nothing's absolute in this space can be done every time. But if you can create those opportunities to just make sure we're propping them up, like we said, with the talk track, I've, I've done things just in as holding meetings with particular leaders. Let me let you know what we're planning to do. How will your team react to this? Let me see the work because what I found is that supervisor, that leader of a frontline worker, they know the work. And someone in my role, I may not necessarily have visibility. We last year rolled out a change and um, it was a system change. It was technology. It really was an upgrade from what that particular platform was to what it is now, but screens changed, um, you know, and so there's no way I could capture that or anyone on my team could capture that as great as my colleague is. Um, we couldn't capture that, but to sit down with those individual people leaders to say, okay, let us see what you do and how you do it so that we can support developing training documents in this. And how do your associates go in? And to your point, that then gives them to come into my huddle. I do a 15 minute huddle you know, if it's something like that and say, okay, team, um, in two months, we're going to be rolling out this new system. I've already gotten a preview of it. I've explained to um, the leadership and those who are responsible for this implementation, how, uh, how we work and how this will impact us. And I'm asking them questions and they're answering questions. So to have that person working with you, I think absolutely is a benefit. Yeah. That's an amazing example. And I, I hope everybody here that's listening to this show is, is also noticing that a lot of the times when you talk about communication, you're actually describing it in the form of a question. It's what should we be asking those folks as part of the communication? I, I think that really speaks to what you kind of started the conversation with, which is about this multi-directional communication paths. It's, it's not just about what we're telling them, but it's about how we can go out with, um, you know, informed questions or, or, you know, deliberate questions that can really seek out the information and give them a voice. And I, I really just, I absolutely love the idea of helping to coach the supervisor, supervisors and managers on that technique, that their job isn't just to tell their team members things. Right. Their job is also at times to ask their team members things. And if we can develop them as professionals, it will really make them far more effective in their role and ultimately help to smooth out, you know, some of the disruption that, that we've been talking about here. So that's, that's pretty absolutely. amazing. Yeah. So you mentioned something else, which I, I want to dig into now. And I'm really curious as I have some selfish reasons for this because of uh, the company that we lead, you know, during the day, Skillful. Mm -hmm. You talked about um, some of the other tools, digital signage and message boards. And I'd, I'd like to dig into that a little bit because um, 
we're from a product standpoint, we actually are looking at how we can leverage those tools a little bit more. And I'd really like to get some insights from you and others that have found digital signage to be an effective communication tool for dealing with some of this change. So can you share a story with us about how maybe you've, you've used those as alternative to maybe more traditional communication methods like email and, and signs in the bathroom doors? <laughs> bringing that one back up. I am definitely bringing it back up, but I'm not going to explore it any further. I'm just throwing it out there. Communicators don't go there, but I am willing to go there. Okay, good. But, um, <laughs> I, that again, a great question, Justin. Uh, Pre-pandemic, it was one of my go-to communication mediums because it's a way to quickly capture so many eyes. I say it all the time. We live in a very email rich environment and I'm, you know, offender A, number one on the list because I'm responsible for communications and I'm sending out all kinds of emails. Um, but I do want to create opportunities for associates. I believe in this, that your audience will kind of know where to go. So hopefully here at CCBSS, our associates have an appreciation for, and I've gotten some positive feedback uh, for the new intranet that we just rolled out and that it's meeting our associates where they are and so that they know to go there. And the same is true with digital signage to know as an associate that, yeah, when I walk into the door, I can look up at that sign and it'll quickly have a couple of key things that I need to know. Open enrollment is this day, open it, you know, things that are very deliberate. Town hall is on this day. Shout out to Justin, who just did a great job on this project. Those types of really sticky messages is what we call them in communications, mm -hmm. things that you can read quickly, but they'll stick with you. And so using digital signage for that, when I think about when I was with graphic packaging, we relied heavily on the digital signage because, again, another manufacturing environment and most of the associates was walking into a paper mill or a converting facility. And there was just so much time to capture them. And so it was either at a kiosk, which they could get information, which is very much similar to how we use an internet now here in CCBSS, so they could quickly scroll to and see things or a digital message board, a digital sign that they could read as they were headed to break or leaving the plant or going into the facility. So it is a good way when you have people in buildings, which a lot of people are working that way, people yeah. in buildings to get a sticky message and so that they can read it. I found it to be uh, very much effective. So something <clears throat> about the way you describe that is that part of the communication is actually delivered right there on the digital signage itself. Mm -hmm. But in many cases, I suspect if I understood you correctly, what we would say in like marketing terminology is, is there's a call to action, right? So we're not trying to deliver all of the information about your benefits or all of the information about these changes that are happening, but we're trying to make increased awareness and drive you to go somewhere else, encourage you to go somewhere else to go get more information. So am I understanding you correctly? Yeah. That's how you're using that today? Yeah, okay. yeah absolutely. So to your point, yeah, it's not anything that would have everything from A to Z on it, but sure. it's just enough to capture that eye and so that our associates are informed or that the reader is informed of whatever action or behavior or just in the know about something that's coming up. So as you said, take the town hall example to know that there's a town hall that's going to take place. And if it works for your schedule, please attend or watch it on the internet later on, catch the recording, or open enrollment is a great example. Um, I've used tent cards to communicate open enrollment. I've yeah. used tent cards to communicate big tech changes um, for training sessions that's coming up in the break room, put it on, put a tent card on the table where you know people will gather all of these things. And again, like we said, some things are very high tech, when we start thinking about apps and intranets and cell phones, and then some things are low tech or no tech. So absolutely different communication opportunities. That's amazing. Okay. I, I'm, we're, we're coming up on time already, but I, I want to dig into something else. I, I like to ask folks about accomplishments or, or contributions that they've made that they're proud of. And you've already shared with me one of the things that you're most proud of. And you talked about the development of the intranet. I'd like to alter my question a little bit 
since you've already shared that that's, that's something you're proud of, but what I'd really like to ask is what, what is it that you think was it about that contribution that was most different or unexpected that you did with this, the design and the development of, of this new intranet that you think really stands out. And, and that's the piece that you say that was, that's really what contributes to, to you being so proud of that. Oh, I, I, that's such a wonderful question. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to reflect on that. Uh, Number one, I would say the technology platform. So for the intranet we have now, we had previously two separate intranets. And so we were able to take those two environments and bring them into one uh, on a platform that is more user-centric. Here's what I'm coming to believe, Justin, as a, you know, true to her heart, old school communicator, I've always said content is king. Mm -hmm. And yes, content is still, it still wears a crown, but UX is now king. The user experience is king. I'm reading it everywhere from communicators today. I've read so many articles about just the dominance of the UX experience, particularly in internal comms, which is usually a space we think about externally. Um, But to your point around marketing and uh, anything, but in internal comms, UX is king. So we now have a platform that is very easy to use. The navigation is clean. The site architecture is smart. And I'm very proud of that. I'm also proud of that it is a reflection of a collaboration of a, a lot of great people working together, which nothing is more important to me than team members working together, sharing their expertise, collaborating and delivering a product that we can all look back on. I said to the team that helped me develop this, I will stand that team up against any other team. And this is not the first time I've rolled out an intranet. I've rolled out so many intranets that I literally probably should have named my child intranet. (laughs) I've rolled out so many between intranets and public websites. I, I should probably have a child named intranet. And, but this group I worked with, I will stand them up against any team. So that I'm also proud of, just the great effort um, that everybody, that their expertise they brought to bear, the great work that we did together. And then I'm excited about the content that we have out there. We have um, uh, on-demand videos. We have something we call our digital workplace where, um, because for us, some of us are in office, some of us are um, at home where where we have this, what people are calling hybrid environment, um, which has a focus on our culture here within CCBSS. And so keeping and making sure that we stay connected, whether if we're at home like I am today or in the office as I was uh, yesterday, I think I was in the office. And so just, so making sure that we stay connected in this new workspace that you described earlier. So the content is, is great on the site. So super proud about that. Yeah, but the content can only be king if the users can find it, if they know exactly. when and where and why to go that's find that UX. content, right? And so that's right. and that's really where UX really does kind of trumpet at the end of the day because it's a <laughs> the path, it's that's the conduit to making that content uh, available. And, and we've talked about this in our business from a marketing standpoint, the amount of content that we've created and then sometimes not creating a path to let customers and prospects find that content. Well, then it's like, well, what's the point of having great content if nobody's there to see it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that's the same thing with, with internal. And, and you, you use the term UX. I, I think about a lot of what you described as, as EX, the employee experience. I and, love that. And, and you talked before about, you know, we get so wrapped up in thinking about the customer experience side of things. That's the obvious place to devote resources and, and just a lot of brain power to really think about delivering on an amazing customer experience. And, right. and I'm not saying that that's not important, but equally important is thinking about the employee experience and all of the systems, because ultimately they're the deliverer of that customer experience, right? So if our team members don't have a good experience internally, especially with the technology that they're using, then they can't deliver on the ultimate goal, which is to provide a better customer experience. I think that's absolutely right. Um, Employee experience is so important. You know, we for years have talked about employee engagement and we're shifting that to talk about both employee engagement and the employee experience. And as we said earlier, 
part of that things I've done is it's even give conversation guides to managers um, to give them a walk around deck to managers so that they can support whether it be a change initiative, which I've done a lot of, or just even this whole, as we're returning to the office, as we're, you know, changing again, just again, supporting our people leaders because there is an everyday day-to-day experience that we all have as employees. And how do we stay connected in such a way and, and that we're all, as much as we can stay aligned and committed to the overarching mission and vision of the company. And so to me, I spent a lot of time, Justin, working on tone, transparency, uh, being clear in the message, and just wanting to make sure that we're covering it in such a way that you get it the way you need it, I get it the way I need it as an employee and and it all has to come together. So you're right. uh, When we think about our sites, I would say another thing I'm super proud of in my career, I had the great pleasure to roll out several public websites, um, did it for CCBSS a year ago. We have an amazing public website. At that point, I think I brought together a a number of different um, sites that we were kind of managing within the company to one clear and concise public website that articulates uh, who we are and what we do. It's so proud of that work. Um, We, at the end of 2019, acquired a new part of the business within the Coca-Cola system. And there was a lot of change management there and being on the forefront of that change. But when I think about it in the context of this conversation, those pieces that tie all of these together, and it's what you and I've been talking about, it's that multi-directional communication, whether we're getting that information from our people leaders or from surveys or through town halls or any number of ways, but making sure that that connectiveness stays. Yeah, that's amazing. This has been an absolute clinic on uh, <laughs> our, our corporate communication and, and change. Uh, and, and I really appreciate, you know, all of the uh, the contributions that, that you've shared with us today. This has been absolutely fantastic, but, but I do need to wrap this up. Um, so, For our audience, I hope you found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. I think this is going to be one that I know I'm going to go back and uh, certainly reference again in the future. So if you've enjoyed it as well, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are out there innovating on the front lines. Reminder that this podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skillful.com. That's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And by the way, I'm going to put in a little plug here. We actually do have a dashboard, a uh, a leaderboard component that can be distributed through your digital signage system. So uh, Trisha, you were making me think about that earlier, and uh, I wanted to just throw that plug in there. We can talk about that another day. Um, If you or anybody else you know is out there innovating on front lines, we'd love to hear about it. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share your story, and we'll see you on the next episode. Trisha, thanks again for your time today. Thank you, Justin. Take care and stay well.